From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Welcome back to the OCFA Podcast. Uh, this is Craig Covey, Battalion Chief of Air Operations, here for the OCFA. Today, I have the honor of interviewing Assistant Chief Brian Young, who is retiring this week. Uh, good morning, Chief, uh, and thanks for taking the time to sit down with us today. Thanks for having me, Craig. Uh, Chief, would you give us some background and how you got your start in the fire service? Sure. Uh, so I was raised in a, in a fire family. Uh, my dad was a chief officer for, for Anaheim Fire, um, served in multiple roles and capacities there, uh, including the ops chief. Uh, so I, I really saw that, that historic frame of what it's like to be part of a fire family. Um, like many teenagers though, um, I had my own ideas uh, fresh out of high school and really didn't see an initial desire to go into the fire service, which I know is a little different from a lot of folks uh, that we work with here at the agency. A lot of them start at that explore age and drive up through their career. Um, so I was a little bit different. Um, I, I thought I wanted to be a graphic artist. So I went to Cal State Long Beach uh, right out of high school. Uh, but I realized pretty rapidly that uh, I felt like I was lacking something um, going in that direction. Didn't seem like there was a lot of fulfillment. So I had a pause. I decided, oh, maybe I'll check out this fire thing. Um, you know, I had a good understanding of what it meant just from being raised in, in a household with a, with a firefighter father. And uh, I signed up for Santa Ana College. Well, actually, at that time, it was called Rancho Santiago. Uh, fell in love with it from the get-go through the core classes um, and then ultimately entered academy. Um, I don't know if they still do it this way. Back then, there was so many people in the program that there was a lottery to determine if you could get in the academy. So I, I didn't get selected. <laughs> I didn't get selected for the lottery, so I was going to have to wait um, several months. So being fired up and, and excited to start my career path, I said, well, I'm going to go see what else is out there. And ultimately, I went to Rio Hondo College, uh, where I graduated in 89, and then subsequently uh, got hired by Orange County Fire Department. Uh, in 1990, and that's kind of what started my whole my whole adventure that brings us to where we are today. Very cool. You know, 28 years in the in the service. I bet you have some war stories. Uh, what are some of your most memorable incidents from the fire service? I remember one in particular that you and I worked together in the uh, the 03 firestorm on the Grand Prix and Old Fire. You remember those days? Uh, you know, 10 days into it and still in a, a major firefight. Uh, what are some of your best memories? That's actually a, a great example, Craig. Uh, you know, you bring that up and sometimes we don't think of those ones long ago. You think about the, the really significant ones that make a major impact. Obviously, Hurricane Katrina was, was a really significant incident. But we'll talk about that, that, uh, that old and grand pre-fire. That was, that was a really cool memory uh, just due to the fact of the folks that we both got to work with on that fire. Um, some of our, our great legacy uh, leaders in this agency were on that strike team. Um, it was a mixed strike team of type threes and type twos. Uh, I believe you were working for Captain Reinhold. Uh, yeah, that's correct. And then uh, Dan Young was on one of the other units. And then uh, I had the fortune to work for Captain Rod Kleiner um, on engine 210. So that was, that was an incredible experience. Uh, one of the things I remember from that fire is, is every time an assignment came up, uh, Captain Kleiner raised his hand and says, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it, no matter what the assignment was. Um, so that's one of those initial um, implant or imprinting of, of leadership styles is, is him just saying, hey, lead from the front and be actively engaged. Um, when we were talking about this, uh, 
this recently, uh, you and I, Craig, you brought back a memory that I actually forgot about until you mentioned it. And there was a point in the fire where uh, there was a pretty large flaming uh, fire front and we were moving from one area to another. It was uh, pretty significant winds on the fire. And uh, we were stopped. The engines were all backed up because they were deciding which direction to go. And, and next thing I know, the fire's impinging on the side of the rig. Well, the old Type 2s had a bench sheet in the back and they were open cab. So it, it pretty rapidly started getting uh, really hot. And next thing I know, I had to deploy the shelter in the back of the, uh, the Type 2 and uh, get my feet up onto the bench seat because the flames were licking underneath the, the shroud. I remember Captain Kleiner getting on the radio and telling uh, the strike team leader who was Chief McCoy, who we all know is an incredible leader and part of our history, uh, told him, hey, we need to get moving. Uh, we've got a Type 2 back here, uh, direct fire impact. And then the same thing also happened at the end of the line was engine 353, and, and they had deployed their, uh, their shroud as well on the back of that rig. So that was, that was a funny memory that I actually had forgotten about, and, and it's amazing that I did, but I'm glad you reminded me of that one. It was that was a crazy one having the bear and the mountain lion run through the safety zone we were hunkered down in. That was uh, you know, the what the beginning of the new norm, right? Of uh, these mega fires and what was then a career fire and now is an, an unfortunate, all too common um, incident. Uh, what are some of your fondest memories while working here at the OCFA? Um, you know, a lot of times you'll hear the same statement. My fondest memories are all based on the people. Um, and, and it's so, it's so real to know that that's what makes this place great. That's what makes all of our memories is here is the, uh, the memories of working with those people. So my fondest memories are, are, are tied to locations, physical locations of, of where I've got to spend uh, portions of my career. So I uh, didn't spend much time in South County. Uh, most of my career was spent um, in other areas. Uh, including the West End, uh, a lot of time in the West End, uh, Station 46 in Stanton, uh, the original Fort Apache, um, some great memories there. Um, interesting old station with a, with a lot of tight quarters, uh, but 46 was a, was a great memory. Uh, 61s, um, obviously uh, the old Station 61, one of the things I remember there specifically is, is the captain dorm was uh, facing Western and, and on a the other side of Western, there was a, a water ride, a, a roller coaster that was a water ride. And every time the ride would come down, the whole station would, would physically shake. Um, so that was always odd. I remember the first time I worked there, I went, what in the heck is going on here? <laughs> uh, but those were great uh, things from the West End. Spent a lot of time at 21s, at, at 10s, and then um, quite a number of years at uh, Station 4, both as a medic and, and part of the HAZMAT program. So. As far as fire stations and locations, those were great memories, great parts of, of, of my personal history. And then the time that I've spent um, up here at, at headquarters, whether it be in investigations or in other special assignments, and, and more recently um, as part of the executive team, um, the professional staff at, at headquarters are bar none the, the best people you'll, you'll interact with. Um, great, great relationships built, great friendships built, and, and part of my, my lasting memories of this organization. Yeah, a lot of a lot of history there, especially with a uh, good old Bear Buster yeah. up there at 46s. Um, yeah, you achieved the rank of an assistant chief. Uh, that's quite a career goal and achievement. And you're responsible in your career for so many impactful contributions <laughs> to this organization. Uh, what are some of your most proud contributions uh, to the OCFA? Um, that's a great question. As far as proud contributions, I mean, a lot of times people will equate contributions to, to me moments or self moments, and, and I don't look at it that way. I look at the contributions as being part of bigger teams. Um, so for me in my career, um, 
it was really to experience the variety of things as far as being able to be involved in so many different aspects. Um, you know, even, even the basic core skill set of being part of a, a paramedic program is significant. There's really probably no greater impact um, that we as firefighters can have on the general public is, is the EMS portion of our mission. So being a paramedic was, was a, a great part of uh, the contribution. Um, and then the other specialty assignments like I talked about earlier, um, the hazardous materials team. Um, being able to deal with industrial incidents, weapons of mass destruction, uh, be part of JHAT, Joint Hazard Assessment Team, dealing with the, the bomb squad and SWAT teams. Just, just great, great experiences there. Um, being part of investigations. Uh, whenever somebody puts in for investigations, I always uh, tell them, you will probably not work harder in your career than going into investigations. And a lot of people don't realize that because they don't see it. Um, generally, it's just the folks that stay after the, the fire to, to help dig it out and determine the uh, origin and cause. Um, but the job of investigator lasts days, if not weeks, uh, especially if it's a criminal case. Um, it's, it's pretty much a 24-7 job in certain situations. So that was a, a great uh, part of the agency I was glad to contribute with, um, as well as uh, working at Okayak, which uh, a lot of folks don't even uh, have an, an understanding of what that is or where it is other than the exposure they may get with the academy in the briefing or in the captain's academy where we'll come in and teach them the TLO uh, course or the terrorism liaison officer course. Um, one of the things I took away from there was, was being part of a larger organization that dealt with multiple agencies and making a significant national impact to really create a best practice. Um, we do that a lot in this agency with so many programs, so that was, that was exciting. And, and honestly, the, the biggest um, moment for me that I, I have a significant pride for was being part of uh, Task Force 5. Um, our USAR team is bar none, uh, one of the most highly regarded in the entire uh, USAR system, and it's directly based on everybody involved with that. The commitment to expertise, the commitment to training, um, that was a very sad moment in my career, um, turning in my gear uh, when I promoted, uh, and I remember getting the, the uh, email message uh, from, from Richard Ventura saying, no, turn your gear in. He's pretty uh, quick at those. <laughs> he is, and it was, it, was a, it was a moment. You know, you have all your gear laid out and, and you're checking off stuff, so uh, that, that was definitely one of my, my most um, proud uh, contributions is being part of that team and going to Katrina and, and just being actively engaged in that for, for many, many years. Typically, I know you're being humble. Weren't you also part of the, the company officer response to terrorism, uh, development of that, which became uh, um, it's a training event way beyond OCFA. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to be part of that, being part of the core cadre, uh, providing that instruction uh, to all um, law enforcement and then fire. Um, you know, that goes way back with some of, um, some of our past uh, folks that, that helped develop that as well. Uh, it was kind of an initial brain, um, brain trust of um, some sheriff's officials and, and Chief Summers uh, scratched out on a napkin and then he basically uh, task his, his folks to build that out and, and deliver that training. So that was a great, great thing to be part of as well. Good, good, good memory, Craig. Yeah. Uh, are there any goals that you, uh, you wanted to accomplish but didn't get a chance? It's kind of ironic that you're, you're the one interviewing me. So um, the fact that I, I never uh, actually was an active part of Air Ops from the <laughs> response perspective, um, huge, huge hole I wish that I, I would have uh, saw um, earlier in my career and raised my hand. Um, obviously, I've been involved over the last several years um, with 
administration level and, and dealing with the evolution of, of the program. Um, and it's been an incredible thing to witness from when it was stood up, you know, decades ago by the, by the early folks involved with that, uh, Dave Lopez and many of the chief officers that, that initially uh, spawned that and, and then watching it grow to where it is now as a 24-7 all-risk uh, program, uh, getting into the nearshore rescue mission to help out the Coast Guard. Um, all those things just are a testament to the people that have helped build that program um, to bring it to where it is today. But it, that is one of those things I wish I would have done earlier. I wish I would have had the opportunity to be a crew chief. Um, it's it just some of those things. Every time I watch that, that ship at work and, and I hear the great work those crews are doing, I went like, man, I missed that opportunity. I think you would have been a, a really good crew chief. And I can speak on behalf of the section on a personal thing. You know, appreciate everything you've done um, for our program uh, since you've taken the helm there. And uh, we're super thankful. Um, you know, you really are a respected leader here at the OCFA and, and really the fire service statewide. Uh, could you give us a little insight into your leadership philosophy? Yeah, it's, it's really pretty basic, um, is serve the greater good. Um, you know, there should be no me moments um, in leadership. It should be all about the mission. It should be about what the ultimate objective is and taking care of the people. Um, you know, the core, the core reason that most people get in the fire service is to help people, to make a positive impact, to leave a, leave a situation better than when, when we arrive. So um, that should be a, always be a core leadership moment. And there's a couple things that I think that people need to balance, right? Is um, we, we tend to fixate on, on things that aren't necessarily um, totally accurate. So, um, putting others before yourself, right? That, that should always be a, a driving um, decision point for your leadership style. Um, looking at facts over emotion and looking at what's real over rumor. So if you take away rumor, emotion, and self from the equation of your leadership style and that, that leaves the other components there, you're gonna be successful. Um, we, we, as a profession, we tend to, to strive on emotion sometimes and rumor, but if we just focus on what's fact and what's real, um, we'll, we'll achieve what we want as leaders. Yeah, you've definitely helped me with that in the past year and a half and, and working through some things. Uh, do you have any advice for our next generation of leaders outside of what you just said? Um, is basically be a good mentor, be, be that role model. Um, people are gonna always look at leaders um, and judge them um, positively and negatively. Um, so with that framework in mind, understanding that, hey, all your actions are constantly being watched, it, it, it makes a big difference. So the recommendation would be is, is just model good behavior that you would expect other people to carry out. And, and it's important to realize that um, it's not only what you do say, it's what you don't say. Um, so a lot of times failure to engage on important issues um, carry just as much weight as, as the things that people do say. Yeah, if you don't correct it, then it kind of becomes the new norm, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you have any books that you really recommend on leadership, Chief? Oh, yeah, actually, this, that's actually kind of a funny question. So that comes up a lot. You know, people always want to know, um, well, what do, what, do they, what do they read? What do they learn from? Um, I'll kind of preface it um, from this perspective is I think it's really important that people constantly... Um, engage and educate themselves and read. Um, sometimes we don't have time to actually physically read, 
Um, so I'm a big fan of, of Audible, or so books on audio. And the, the kind of joke is, is those that know me know I like to do a lot of things at, at one time. Um, so I generally look to listen to the Audible books at 1.5 speed, so I can accomplish more uh, <laughs> in a given time. But back to your original question is, is um, there's two books that stand out. Um, one of them is uh, called Leaders Eat Last. It's written by Simon Sinek. Uh, many people know him from um, the concept of why, right? Of, of start with the why. So Eaters Eat Last by Simon Sinek's really good book. It really talks about um, creating a culture of safety as a leader. Um, and I know we fixate on the word safety as thinking about out of harm's way, but it's safety is important in all aspects, right? So if a leader sets up a, a situation of a safe environment, a natural byproduct of of safety is trust, right? So if somebody creates a safe environment, you are intuitively gonna trust them. And then the result of trust is the desire to actively um, communicate and collaborate. So the, the book really frames that really well. It's, it's a really interesting read and I would encourage everybody to, to take advantage of it. Um, another book um, that I like is, is also kind of uh, something that I think is firefighter focused, not because of the content, but, but the way it's presented is uh, it's called um, the Art of War, um, visualized, and and it's written. I believe it's Jessica Hagee, um, and what it is is it takes that that really old uh, document of the Art of War that was we know written by uh, famous Chinese general uh, Sun Tzu, and it takes the kind of cryptic uh, language of that document and it creates it into charts and graphs. So it's a total book for a visual learner. It's very small, it's quick and easy to read, and it compartmentalizes all those core concepts of strategy and tactics from the art of war and puts it into visual characterization. So it's, it's one of those ones where you're like, wow, that makes so much sense now. So you read the passage that's two or three sentences long and, and it's almost uh, sounds biblical the way it's written because it's, you have to kind of decipher some of the language, but then it's characterized in a visual representation. It's a, a really cool book. Yeah, that whole concept of art of war, you, you can really associate it to the fire service, right? Absolutely. It's just our enemy is a fire, but um, the whole concept of that really is applicable in our world, too. And I, I really like that comment about safety, you know, because it is our responsibility as a leader. It's a two-way trip, right? Our employees need to come to work and go home every day, and it's our responsibility as leaders to, to get them there. Um, you know, for me especially, you've been a good source uh, a good source of good advice, right? Um, I got a, kind of a three-part question for you. Uh, what wisdom would you impart to the folks of our agency? And the first group I want you to talk to is our newest employees, those in the academy now or have been working here for less than five years. Um, that's always a good question, right? Because everybody has a different view of where they are in their career. So um, the first group, um, the biggest thing would be engage early. Um, I, I know me specifically, I kind of set up this parameter of my career uh, with five-year increments. And if you s s uh, hold totally steadfast to that, you're gonna have it at the end of your career and not, not achieve everything you want to do because you're waiting too long. Um, now, obviously you need to become a master at what you're doing, but what we have these preconceived notions of, you have to do this for this many years, this for this many years, and this for this many years, like I said, you're gonna time out at the end of the game. So the, the recommendation for the initial uh, folks is engage early. This opportunity, or excuse me, this agency has so many incredible opportunities to, to 
be part of greater things. You know, I already talked about all the specialties out there. I didn't even touch on the opportunities in the, in the wildland environment. I mean, there's so many skill sets people can, can gain. So engage early, as soon as you can, raise your hand for as much as you can, and be part of this incredible agency. Um, I've watched a shift with over the last even five years specifically, but you can go even, even further back from that. Um, but we'll just focus on the last five years is we've become and continue to be a significant destination agency. And a positive byproduct to that is, is that we are an all-star team now. Um, you look at any kind of sports, you know, most people have, have kids that are engaged in, in competitive sports and all-star teams, right? It's the best and, and brightest and greatest performers from all of the teams. And that's really what we've become. If you look at the demographics of, of our last, you know, five plus academies, it is literally the best and brightest from all over California and even outside of California, um, actually even a couple out of, out of the country. Um, that, that create this all-star team environment. And I think if those folks engage early, which I'm sure they will, it's just gonna take us into the future in, in incredible ways. Um, next question was the, the, the middle employee, Correct. right? Correct, that 10 to 15 year. Guy. Yeah, so um, the same thing holds true there, is there's gonna be promotional opportunities that um, a lot of times people will feel uncomfortable to raise their hand because they're gonna feel like they don't have the time in grade, they don't have um, what they perceive to be necessary. Um, I think that's, that's foolhearted. Um, if the opportunity presents itself and you've prepared for the challenge, step up and be part of the solution. This agency is gonna need people to step up and fill those vital roles a little bit sooner than they traditionally would have. Um, so those middle folks need to do that. And then also realize that they're being looked at um, by, their sub, by the, the more junior folks. Um, and they're gonna, once again, have to model good behavior because if they set up this standard of, of not staying engaged, not continually um, supporting the overall mission of the agency, we're not gonna be set up for success in the long term. So that middle group really needs to, to also step up, engage, and be part of, of our future solutions. Um, and a vital part of that is to constantly train, constantly read, constantly educate, and, and basically be students of the game. Um, really vital. And yeah, then, I've got students of the game. Yep. And then the, the last group is the last five years. Yeah. And, uh, and this, was, uh, this was a piece of wisdom um, that was shared with me early in my career, is um, you work long and hard in your career to reach the finish line. Um, and it's okay to kind of to slow down a little bit at the end of the game um, if that's what your desire is. Um, obviously, some people go all the way to the end, um, leaning in as, as hard as they can and making that impact. A perfect example, I mentioned Rod Kleiner, one of my early mentors. His last assignment he took before retirement was to be part of an academy cadre. That is just a testament of the type of leader that he was and, and that you love to see and, and, and emulate. Um, but going back to that, um, where you decide to slow down in your career, as it was shared with me, is, is there's nothing wrong with coasting sometimes, but if you give the analogy of riding a bike, if you're on a hill and the hill's at the end of that bike ride and you start coasting too soon and you're not controlling your descent, you're gonna be out of control by the time you hit the bottom because you just continue to gain speed in that coast. Um, so I always like that as, to, as a visualization is, is, is don't coast too soon because you may just end up out of control at the end of the ride. Got it. Uh, you've, you've certainly been a busy guy. 
Um, Lord knows that you and I have been communicating a lot after hours and on weekends. Uh, what would you give, what kind of advice would you give on finding that balance between work life and home life? That, that's always a great question. And, and I think everybody always gives that, that canned answer of family first, um, which is 100% a righteous canned answer, but it's, it should be. That should be always your number one priority. Um, you only get one shot um, with, with your kids, right? That you, you can't get those years back. Um, so never, never lose sight that they're only going to be kids one time. Um, so maintaining that balance, being dedicated and committed to this agency is, is incredibly important. But you also need to be equally dedicated and committed to your family so you don't have any regret or remorse. Um, I think that we have an incredible workforce who has a passion for this agency, but they should also have that same passion and dedication to their families. And I know that, that most do. But I think that's a critical component is maintaining that balance. Good. Uh, so the OCFAs, OCFAs and amid some pretty big changes at all levels, <laughs> what is the biggest challenge that you see facing the OCFA in the coming years? Um, so uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I know a lot of times when people are uh, preparing for promotional opportunities, they say, you know, what's the biggest challenge facing the agency right now because it's current and timely. But I think that question can be framed a little bit differently. It doesn't need to be right now. Um, let's look at our history as an agency. Um, look at any agency for that matter. Um, they're defined by, uh, they're, the success of an agency is defined by their resiliency and how they deal with problems. So as far as what the next challenge is, it really doesn't matter um, because we are an incredibly resilient agency who always rises to the challenge and always comes out as an effective organization at the at the end um, so those challenges will continue to come um, but with the leadership in place and with the uh, men and women of this agency it doesn't matter what's thrown at us we're gonna we're gonna rise to the challenge and, and be successful so um, i know we have an incredible history of doing that and we will continue to do that and some of those challenges actually make us better in the end huh 100 percent so Chief uh, Fennessy is our new fire chief. Um, what is your initial impression of his vision for a future OCFA and uh, navigating our, these current challenges? Um, so that's a great question. Um, I know that anytime there's change in any agency, it creates a level of anxiety, but that anxiety shouldn't be there. Um, chief Fennessy is an incredible leader. Um, he is a, a change agent, right? So a lot of times, that word itself creates that anxiety, but it shouldn't. Um, you will never find a more engaged fire chief than Chief Fennessy, and he's gonna take this agency in incredible directions. I think the sky's the limit. You know, he's made it very clear that he wants us to become a national model of a best practice agency, and I think that's gonna be accomplished. He's already making some great changes. He's already making some significant impacts with his, his uh, mission-driven culture, which you'll see in the future. Um, the sky's the limit, and I'm excited for the future of the OCFA. Super. Yeah, I think we are too. Um, so is there anything else you'd like to say in closing, Chief? Um, yeah, I just, I'd like to thank everybody. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for, for making the, the 28 years of my career here an incredible experience. And thank everybody for making the OCFA great because without the men and women of this agency, uh, we would have nothing. Um, so thank you, everybody. Thank you for this interview. It was a, it was a great opportunity to, to share my thoughts, and, and I appreciate all your hard work, Craig, and I appreciate everybody else's hard work as we, as we continue to, to do those great things and serve the public in the way that we do. 
You know, thanks, Chief. It's been a real honor to sit down with you today, quite honestly. And, and on behalf of the OCFA, I'd like to thank you personally for our friendship and mentoring and say thanks from the organization for your service and leadership. Thanks, Greg.